Do you like the show and you want to help support us? Do you want us to stay ad-free? Do you want my voice to not crack? Of course you do. Go head over to patreon.com slash nerdcaveretro and become a Patreon supporter of this very show. programs and welcome to nerd cave retro after dark and if you're listening to this as a podcast you have no idea what i'm talking about (laughs) my name is jason robbins and my name is derek diamond yeah we're going a little bit late this evening because derek had some prior commitments with work and uh i don't know what happened at the beginning there I, i went to talk and my voice completely cracked like i was a 13 year old boy yeah, we actually both uh, hit puberty about thirty seconds before yeah, the show started. I don't so get it. I don't know what happened. Real, uh, it's been it's been a crazy day here uh, here on the Nerd Cave Retro, but happy to be here. Yeah, me too, man. Um, it's been a a good day. I got off work and uh, got off work about three o'clock. Came home and noticed that Twister was on Netflix. So watched some Twister this afternoon, and man, that movie's still good. It's so good. We were talking about this before we started, but I will defend that movie against mm-hmm. anybody. Like it is just a pure fun movie with a amazing soundtrack. Oh man! Like I said, anything with Van Halen on it is number one in my book. Yeah, I haven't seen that movie in. Uh, well, I watched it. I want to say last year because I, I picked it up on um, on DVD and watched it. No, it, it's it's still. It's still quite good. Yeah, they've uh, they've they've made it look pretty nice for uh, for Netflix, and um, yeah, go watch it, man. Like the the some of the the effects don't quite hold up. Like some of the you know, like when the twisters going and some explosions happen, those kind of look a little bit dated. But um, yeah, but other than that, man, the CGI holds up great in that movie. And you got to think with that and other movies from the 90s that we've mentioned before, you know, like T2, Jurassic Park. They look just as good as movies that are out today. Yeah, this that was I say Twister is up there and probably in the top five best movies of the 90s. I don't disagree with that. I mean, you got Terminator 2, which pretty much like kickstarted the CGI revolution but did it in a way Mm. that didn't look like shit and it still holds up you got jurassic park which did the same thing you got twister the matrix and what else would you put up in that that category for 90s movies uh for 90s i mean that's definitely the like the cream of the crop (laughs) rampage says cow (laughs) we got cows (laughs) oh i meant to ask you this Speaking of movies, did you watch the Bill and Ted trailer? Yeah, well, oh, I can't yes, wait. I did. It's oh. I cannot wait, man. It's the movie that we, as a human race, need right now. Yeah, I was talking with uh, my brother and uh, an old friend the other day. Um, I had sent them the trailer. I think uh, Carlos uh, sent it to us. Rampage sent it to us on a, a DM, and I watched it and immediately sent it to my brother and my one of my lifelong friends. I was like, guys, it's here. 
and we got into a discussion, and I'm just like, man, Bogus Journey is one of the few movies where, like, the sequel is better than the original. It's been a while since I've seen the sequel. Dude, you gotta watch. It's The soundtrack is perfect. I, the movie's perfect. I, I mean, death. It's got yeah. death. <laughs> and he's back. Yeah. They Melvin. Yeah, I... I need to, uh, which I'm going to watch you know, before the new one comes out. I'm going to watch the first two again. Yeah. I haven't seen part two in a long, long time. Part one, I recently watched like a year or two ago. Yeah. I'm going to add uh, Bogus Journey as one of my top five 90s films. <laughs> okay. Yep. I Station. <laughs> <laughs> uh, let's see. Uh, it was supposed to be released on six nine. Get it, sixty nine, dudes. That's <laughs> what Rampage put in the the chat. I didn't even think about that. Uh, Bill and total, Ted Day. Stupid coronavirus totally like messed everything up. Well, I mean, I don't want to get into like the full deal of what's going on because I, I like to use the show as a way to step away from all that but yeah there's been other things going on that have made people forget about covid <laughs> yeah <laughs> you can say that again uh yeah. like i said I, you know I, I we i went into it pretty in depth with um jacob craig my other co-host on open mic open micers and uh we had J uh comedian jimmy james on this last week and uh we had our thoughts on um you know, BL, uh, Black Lives Matter and all that stuff. So if yeah. you want to hear what I have to say about that, go listen to Open Micers. And because um, we're, I, I want to keep this show completely like politics free. This is a politics free yeah. zone that has no place here in the, in the retro community. Yeah. I, I do want to say, I know I, I told you this last night, but starting in two weeks, I will be um, hosting trivia at Big Top Brewing Company here in Pensacola every Tuesday. That's so, so cool. I'm going to have to live, come over. Yeah, if you guys live in Pensacola and you like trivia, come hang out with me on Tuesdays. It won't be this upcoming Tuesday. It'll be the one after that, Actually, uh, that I officially start. Since you're not doing that this Tuesday. Oh, is it? Yeah, it's next, next Tuesday. This coming up Tuesday. Uh, if you live here on the Gulf Coast on uh, in Ocean Springs at the Juke Joint where we do the open mics, they're going to have a Juneteenth open mic celebration, and they've got a bunch of um, black comedians coming in uh, from out of town, and one of our local comedians, Too Real, is going to be hosting the show, and it's like a, it's a Juneteenth open mic spectacular so um if you're in town definitely go to that because there's gonna i know some of the comedians they have coming in i've seen before and uh they are really really funny so it's gonna be a really good night of comedy no it's fantastic i wish i could make it i have to work unfortunately but you know uh, you're in north dakota Ooh, that's a long way away from from the gulf coast so yeah i don't expect yes, it you is. to be there tuesday night <laughs> oh man uh, I, I'll I'll tell everyone how it goes that can't make it. But anyway, let's go ahead and move into the news, shall we? Yes. Now, you had mentioned before we started that there was something hanky about this, uh, this article here, but I, I actually put this in the notes the other day, so things may have changed. This was posted on June 4th, 
on GameSpot.com. Sonic movie sequel Ben Schwartz, who played the voice of Sonic, says he doesn't know anything about it yet. Uh, sequel to the Sonic Hedgehog is reportedly in the works, but Sonic voice actor Ben Schwartz hasn't heard anything about it yet. He told Collider that Paramount has yet to officially announce a sequel, but it's something he's excited about if it does go forward. Um, he said, I literally have heard that we just haven't gotten greenlit yet. Uh, all I know is they said the second we get greenlit, greenlit will tell you, and I have not heard anything yet, and my hope is that we get an opportunity because it did so well, and especially domestically it did so well, so I hope that we get to do it because there's so much more stuff we can do in that world. So it, it actually the last um, the last paragraph here in the article, according to Variety, Paramount is moving forward with the Sonic sequel with Jeff Fowler and writers Pat Casey and Josh Miller to return. It's yet to be officially announced. So I, I made I'm on Twitter right now. Jeff Fowler shared this story from Variety on May 28th from Variety about the Sonic sequel being in the works and he his response was round two with the blue yeah in all caps so that that was when my mind I was like okay it's happening so like when I saw this article I was like wait a minute hmm. I thought it was happening so I mean I don't I don't say that completely debunks the whole Twitter story but I mean I see no reason as to why the sequel won't happen oh yeah and he said something about wouldn't it be absolutely amazing if Jim Carrey got nominated for Dr. Robotnik for the Oscars. I think that's a possibility, honestly. Well, because with the Oscars now due to COVID, movies that have really made their name yeah. digitally can be nominated. I would love that. So I, I'm going to expose a little bit of my obsession here so i got this movie on blu-ray and since then i have i've watched it again i've watched all the special features and i've listened to the commentary by jeff fowler the director and ben schwartz who of course was the voice of sonic and the thing that they kept going back to was jim carrey's performance mm -hmm. And he really is, to me, the backbone of that movie. Like, that movie would not have been what it was if he did not play Robotnik the way he did. Yeah. You know, I, I keep seeing it at um, Walmart every time I go there, and I see it on Blu-ray, and it's like 30 bucks. But I just can't, right now, I just can't justify dropping $30 on it. So yeah, I want it so bad, but yeah, uh, Jim Carrey did a did an amazing job in that movie. Wouldn't that be like the cream of the like the icing on the on the cake? Where Jim Carrey has did all these great like dramatic roles, you know, like um, uh, what was the, the first one? Trying to trying to pop in my head, and I can't think of uh, the TV one where Eternal Sunshine. Not well, not only oh that, the Truman Show, Truman Show. Like, all that stuff and never got nominated. He gets nominated for playing Dr. Robotnik in Sonic the yeah. Hedgehog. <laughs> in a movie that no one thought was going to be good. Yeah. So, we'll see. I mean, there's going to be a that would be amazing. smaller pool of movies to pull from for this year's Oscars. So. Yeah. And, I mean, and I won't, I won't get into it just because I've talked about it ad nauseum on the show. But there's so many directions that they could go with for a sequel. I have you know, my thoughts on it that I've said numerous times, but I truly think that they could 
they could make another four movies easily. Oh yeah, with the with the content that they have. Yeah, Rampage uh, number twenty three was good, but that's that's just one of those movies that like you see once and it's great, but it's not something I want to watch again because it's so dark. Yeah, it doesn't have a lot of replay value. Yeah. So Nintendo Life, kind of speaking more on Sega, this comes to us from NintendoLife.com. Sega celebrates its 60th anniversary with a micro version of the Game Gear. Sega has just announced the Game Gear Micro. As the name suggests, this is a micro version of the original 1990 handheld. Uh, It will launch in Japan on October 6th for 4,980 yen, which is expected to equate to about $50 uh, American. It will be available in black, blue, yellow, and red, and each color will include four different games. Yes, you read correctly. Here's the lineup for each one. Uh, the black version has Outrun, uh, Puyo Puyo Su. Puyo Puyo Su. Puyo Puyo Su. Uh, Royal Stone and Sonic the Hedgehog. The blue one has Baku Baku Animal, Sakai. Good luck with that. I'm not even. <laughs> yeah, I'm not even going to try and finish pronouncing <laughs> that. Uh, Gunstar Heroes, Sonic and Tails, and Sylvan Tail, Yellow uh, Nazo Puyo, Arl Loru, Shining Force, Shining Force Two, and Shining Force Final Conflict, and Red Columns, the GG Shinobi. Megami Tensei Gaiden, Last Bible, Megami Tensei Gaiden, Last Bible Special. <laughs> cool. <laughs> and That's it, all I've got to say about that. And then it looks like they have, uh, it'll come with a big window micro if you buy an entire set containing all four colors. It's an accessory based on the same one released for the original system. And can be used to magnify the size of the screen. Yep, Dude, I used to have one of those for my Game Gear. I, I'm not going to be able to see this. Why would I want this? This is good, would give me eye strain to the point of migraines. Well, we we predicted, or at least I know I predicted, that for Sega's announcement they would release a uh, a console. I just said a new console. <laughs> Why fifty bucks for this? This would be this should be like twenty. Twenty bucks for this. So so here's the thing. The Sonic games were okay for the Game Gear. I don't have that fond of memories playing them because the Game Gear itself was a frustrating system. Mm-hmm. Yes, it was backlit, but you had to put, I think, eight double A batteries in it, and it would last like twenty minutes. <laughs> Anytime I would play the Game Gear, I would have to take the the power portion of it, plug it in the wall, and just lay on the floor and play it, which defeats the purpose of a handheld console if you can't take it on the road and play it. So, this um, is stupid. Rampage I don't like I don't like this. The screen is 1.15 inches and the thing that the thing magnifies it to 2 whole inches. It magnifies it to two inches. Why, Sega? You have so much cool stuff. You could, I mean, it's, like I said, if this was like 15 or 20 bucks, I would buy one just to have it and just like display it. 
I'm not paying fifty dollars for that, man. No, ain't paying no fifty bucks. No, no. I'm in my office by myself, so I feel like I can yell as loud as I want. <laughs> I feel like, uh, um, what's the the lady on um, on Family Guy? Like, no, no. Oh, Consuela. Yeah, Consuela. No, <laughs> no, no game gear. No, no game gear for me. No. <laughs> uh, this story came from Carlos Longoria to our email at nerdcaveretro gmail.com from metro.co.uk Sega Fog Gaming Service for arcades was their secret big reveal um, you've already seen the reveal of the Sega Game Gear Micro but that wasn't the huge scoop to quote rile up the games industry that was previously promised by an overexcited Famitsu journalist the real news was Fog Gaming, which is a cloud gaming service for Japanese arcades. The idea being that will allow people to play arcade games from their own home, which kind of defeats the point, but there you go. The system will use the hardware of the arcade machines, and Sega are promising very low latency, which is essential with the fighting games and shooters that dominate Japanese arcades. Can't you already play arcade-style games at home? With, like, the Nintendo Switch. and This is where the um, the buzzer from The Price is Right needs to play. Uh, I think I have that somewhere. I'll look that up while you... <laughs> okay. So, you know, we, we talked about this and talked about, you know, what it could be. <laughs> yes. Oh, Sega. One of my favorite sound effects of all time. Yeah. I keep forgetting to use that for stories like these. Yeah, so we talked about what this could be and how it could actually be pretty cool, but now th this is why. Why? Like yeah, that would be my question. Like they, they made it like it's oh it's going to you know shake up the gaming industry how is this shaking up the gaming industry like, I mean, if they had come out and said that they were going to release a new console i would have been like okay sega you have my attention huh. but no now if like, they would this, have done a cloud gaming service that had the entire yeah. sega catalog okay but maybe japan is a little more into arcades than we are i don't know because i don't live in japan and I can play all the arcade games I want at home with the consoles yeah. that I have. So I don't care. <laughs> to use a quote from the Sonic movie, nobody cares. I'll play this one more time just for, just for posterity. Let's move on. <laughs> uh, yeah, so our last story, again, comes to us from NintendoLife.com. I love the picture that comes with this article. Oh, no. I might make it my new desktop background. <laughs> Not really, but... Um, Lost NES game based on a Tom Cruise movie has just been recovered from 21 floppy disks. Yes, you heard me correctly. Mm -hmm. 21 floppy disks. When developer Chris Oberth passed away in 2012 at the tragically young age of 59... He left behind a considerable legacy with titles such as Phaser Zap, Ant Eater, Artie the Aardvark, and Indiana Jones and the Temple of Doom listed among his credits. He also left behind a massive selection of floppy disks, hard drives, and CDRs, all of which were donated by his family to the Video Game History Foundation, 
which has been sifting through the data in order to properly catalog and preserve it. The hard work has paid off because the VGHF has discovered an NES game coded by Oberth that was assumed lost 30 years ago. That game is Days of Thunder, a racing title based on the 1990 movie directed by Tony Scott and starring Tom Cruise. It was intended to be published by Mindscape, but the company instead released a different version of the game on the NES developed by Beam Software. It appears that Oberth's version started development earlier but was canceled. The developer himself only talked about it once in a 2006 interview with the retro gaming newsletter Retro Gaming Times. Uh, there is a video attached to the article. Uh, it's a little different from Beam's release version, which used crude 3D graphics to replicate the stock car action in the movie. I honestly think so th this would have been a better version of the game. Did you ever yeah. play Days of Thunder for the NES? I did not. I remember renting it one time and was severely disappointed in it because it's more of a simulation and not like a arcadey type of, you know, just like a fun, like, like arcade type, you know, racing game. And I don't know. Just, I, I don't, I wonder why they scrapped this one to go with the one they went with. I don't know, and, and I I bring this up every now and then on the show, but this is one of my favorite things is discovering mm -hmm. stuff like this. Like, if we weren't doing this podcast, we would have never known that there was an alternate version yeah. of Days of Thunder. Well, there's been so much of this stuff being discovered lately, especially with all these mm -hmm. programmers getting up in age, like this guy, you know, 59 years old and passes away. You know, all these guys that worked on these games back in the 70s and 80s are, are starting to get old and have all this old stuff that never got released and it's being found, you know, stuff they forgot that they had. So I don't think we're going to run out of, of things to find in the next probably five to 10 years. We're going to get stuff like this, like every week, probably. And that's exciting. Yeah. But I, I, I do know like my, one of my big takeaways from this article is that I'm really curious to see what Artie the Aardvark is all about. <laughs> I never heard of Artie the Aardvark. I haven't either, but it sounds interesting. Like mm. it sounds like a like an attempt at a video game mascot. Oh, they said uh, the VGHF is planning to make the source code available online for those who are interested in creating their own ROM from the data, and there are plans to publish the game on a working NES cart with the proceeds going to Oberth's family, and that's that's cool. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, yeah, why not just take the Days of Thunder name off of it and just call it something else? Yeah. Hmm. No, I agree. I like that. But uh, it is now time for This Month in Video Game History. <laughs> On June 6th of 1984... Uh, <laughs> Alexei Pajinov, I guess that's how you say his name. I wasn't paying that close enough attention on the uh, the um, gaming historian <laughs> video, but the guy that created Tetris for the Electronica 60 in the Soviet Union. And if you've that is a very, very good, uh, you know, short documentary about the, the rights for Tetris. That went on back in the 80s. So definitely go check that out from the gaming historian. 
And Tetris, I mean, is one of the most iconic video games of all time. It's still like a go-to puzzle type game for me that I have, you know, on my phone and on the Switch that I'll just break out every now and then when I want to just play something, you know, that I don't have to put a ton of thought into. And that's not knocking the game. That's actually one of its strengths. But I, I love I love Tetris. You know, it goes back to me playing it on the original Game Boy as a kid. Mm-hmm. And it's like I can still hear that da, da, mm-hmm. da, 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 theme song. Like, it's it's so great. Dude, I've been playing Tetris 99 a lot on the Switch lately. That game's intense. And I uh, finally uh, unlocked um, the Zelda skin for it. So when I'm playing it, I get Zelda music and a Zelda background while I'm playing it. There's a Zelda skin? Mm-hmm. There How do you get is. it? Uh, just play a ton, and eventually you'll oh, okay. earn enough points to get it. I'll have to play more then. Let's see. In June of 1985, Atari Corporation releases the 520ST, the first personal computer with a bitmapped color GUI. Interesting. I don't remember the 520ST. Ooh, we have Joey Image TV who is rating. Our uh, our channel right now. What is up, Mister oh, Image? No. What's going on, Joey? Let's see here. We are in June third of nineteen eighty six. Nintendo releases Super Mario Brothers: The Lost Levels as the sequel to Super Mario Brothers. It was not released in North America partially because it was deemed too difficult, and Mister Howard Phillips himself was behind that movement to get. Um, Super, uh, Super Mario Brothers 2 changed for the North American release. Which it was released as part of Mario All-Stars mm-hmm. for the first time when that was released uh, for the Super Nintendo. It's definitely challenging, but still fun. I mean, I, I love those old school Mario Brothers games. Yeah, I'm not a huge fan of the lost levels. Like, I, like it, it, it's too damn hard. <laughs> I mean, I like a good challenge, but there are some games that just like, I don't even want to play this. It's so ridiculously hard. And that's one of those games. Yeah. And I mean, I I think it was good that they did that because we in North America still get the game, though. You you and I have fought the the Doki Doki panic becoming Mario Brothers 2 movement since really we started this show because I I still enjoy that game quite a bit. Me too. I've been watching a lot of speed runs of it lately on Twitch. Nice. There's been a, a nice resurgence in uh, Super Mario Brothers 2 speedrunning. I'll have to check those out. Let's see. In June of 1989, Lucasfilm Games releases puzzle game Pipe Mania, which lives on in other titles as a visual representation of computer or security system hacking. I played that game a bit. Um, we had a, It wasn't exactly Pipe Mania, but it was a knockoff. I remember in uh, computer class I'm always talking about in high school, we had a a knockoff, but I don't remember the name of it. This looks familiar. I might have played, I don't think I played Pipe Mania, but I think I played some type of iteration of it when I was in um, elementary school. And speaking of... uh, uh, The gameplay graphic looks familiar. Speaking of games that I played um, in high school when I was a computer nerd... Back then, uh, I got flashback on the Nintendo Switch for 99 cents, and I've been playing the oh, hell nice. out of it lately. Dude, if it's still on That's sale, awesome. go get it. It's great. 
Uh, let's see, June of 1992, graphics adventure Indiana Jones and the Fate of Atlantis is released by LucasArts. It's one of those point-and-click games. Oh, yeah, I love those games. LucasArts was killing it back in the 90s with the uh, yeah. computer games. It's a shame that they were essentially made no more when the Disney purchase happened. Yeah. Because they made some some really fun games from from my childhood. June fifth, nineteen ninety five, Earthbound is released for the SNES in North America. One of my favorite games of all time. Uh, I've talked about it numerous occasions on this show. It's probably top five Super Nintendo game for me. Borderline top five, but definitely top ten all time favorite game for me. This is one that. I'm honestly due to to do another playthrough of this because yeah, it's one that I love to go through like once a year mm-hmm. or maybe like every other year and just play through the whole thing. It's such it. a fun game and it, it it's very for those who've never played it, it's a very odd game because to me it's a it was made in Japan, but to me it's almost like a parody of Western culture. Mm-hmm. Because it's got some very like odd and quirky things where you're like, it's kind of like America, but it's kind of not. So it's it's got a little bit of a satire quality to it. But I I, I enjoy it quite a bit. I love Earthbound. You should stream it when you do play it. I should. The thing is, like I I wanna do it. I just gotta figure out the time because with hmm. you know, working late now Thursday, Friday, and Saturday. Doing this show on Wednesday, doing trivia on Tuesdays. It's just finding the time to do it. Being an adult sucks. <laughs> yeah, but I mean, it, I I am grateful to to be employed, so I guess I can't complain yeah. too much. And our second to last on June thirtieth of nineteen ninety seven, Star Fox sixty four is released for the N sixty four in North America. So, so good. Hmm. I love Star Fox 64. Another One of my favorite N64 games. My only knock is that it's a bit short. I never played it. I, the only one I, really? only Star Fox game I ever played was Star Fox for the Super Nintendo. Oh, you gotta play Star Fox 64. I hate that controller. I think you'll though. like it. Is the, does the controller work well with it? <laughs> I mean, I, I mean, to me, the, that controller doesn't work too much with anything. Yeah. I wish there was some other platform it was released on. Yeah. But it's, nice. it, it's a phenomenal game. Like it took everything that made the original Star Fox great, and to me, you know, made it better. I mean, on the lookout. But I just wish that it were longer because I, I can beat that game in probably less than ninety minutes. Wow. That's uh, kind of fast. <laughs> Maybe you should speed run. It. Maybe I, that, you have a world. That record. should be my next uh, <laughs> my next stream is just to see how yeah. quickly I can beat Star Fox sixty four. I've been on the lookout for the Star Fox uh, game for the GameCube lately. Oh, Star Fox Adventures. Yeah, yeah. A lot of people didn't like that game because it's essentially Star Fox meets Ocarina of Time. Because hmm. the gameplay is so similar, but. I, I enjoyed it. I wish they would have expanded. Um, no, it was it was good. Yeah, I I like Star Fox Adventures. Uh, last one. 
Let's see. Uh, June 29th of 2000, Blizzard Entertainment releases Diablo 2 for Microsoft Windows in North America. Did I ever tell you my Diablo 2 story? <laughs> I don't think so. I was dating a girl at the time, and uh, she had a computer. I didn't have a computer at the time because I couldn't afford one. So my girlfriend at the time had one. So I used to go over to her house all the time and play Diablo 2. And then we broke up halfway through my game. <laughs> and I asked her if I could still come over and play Diablo 2. And she pretty much uh, laughed at me over the phone and hung up on me. <laughs> <laughs> like, can I please, can I just come over and play Diablo 2, finish my game? She's like, are you nuts? Hey, so no. I <laughs> hey, so I know we're not dating anymore, but... Man, I'm like halfway through this campaign, yeah. and I'm just, I'm really feeling it right now. So, you think I'd just stop by for a couple of hours? You know, I was like 20 Check. hours into that game, man. <laughs> that's, that's fantastic. That's another thing I like, too, is just these random stories that pop up. I should call her up and be like, hey, do you still have that old computer you used to have? Can I come over and get it? <laughs> <laughs> Go finish my game from uh, 20 years ago. Call her old landline. Yeah. <laughs> oh man! But uh, before we go actually, into... she she can't she can't pick up the phone because she's on AOL. Yeah. Cutting, <laughs> quit calling! I'm on there trying to talk in the chat room. <laughs> Check my email. <laughs> oh man, those were the days. Yep. I don't miss those days though. I like I like these days where you just internet's always there. You kids don't know, you know how good is, you have it. You know what else is great about these days? Hmm. Patreon. Yeah. And our awesome Patreon. So, as always, we like to give a shout-out to our awesome patrons over at patreon.com slash nerdcaveretro. We want to shout-out Armez Jackson, Axeblade07, Daniel Salmon, John Jekyll, a.k.a. Mixmaster, Carlos Longoria, and Sergeant Sketch. And if you guys want to be a part of our Patreon, you can head over to patreon.com slash nerdcaveretro. And if you get us back up to the $50 level, we will do an extra episode for you guys every month that will be one of our really fun commentary tracks like mm -hmm. we've done for Sonic the Hedgehog, for the Mario Brothers movie, for The Wizard, the real Ghostbusters. We've done quite a few, and those are some of you know our personal favorite shows that we've ever done. And we will do those as extra episodes if you just head over to patreon.com slash nerdcaveretro for more information. And if you get us to the $50 level, we will start with a commentary track for Double Dragon. <laughs> Ooh. Ooh, That movie's going to suck so bad, but I can't wait. So get us to that level so we can do it. Damn it. Hey, if we can make it through Mario Brothers, we can make yeah. it through anything. <laughs> and on that note, tonight we're talking about So peaceful. Yeah. So like. this week I will be reviewing, uh, actually to me, one of 
the most underrated games of the GameCube, and I say that because the original version uh, was so popular that no one really talks about the sequel. I am talking about Pikmin 2, which is a 2004 puzzle strategy video game developed and published by Nintendo for the GameCube home video game console. It is the direct sequel to the 2001 game Pikmin and is the second game in the Pikmin series. So, little side story before I get into the actual game, but this was released in August of 2004. So I bought this as a late birthday present to myself, but this was also a couple of weeks before Hurricane Ivan hit. Mm. Hurricane Ivan hit here in the middle of September of that same year. And, that. you know, I was a freshman in college at the time. Uh, classes were canceled for a while. And luckily, you know, we had a generator, so we were able to, to have power for periods of time. And the way that I passed the time was playing this very game. Because I, I reviewed, you know, the first Pikmin a while back on the show, and I love the original Pikmin game. It was very unique to me at the time, and I felt like it was at a time when Nintendo needed a shot in the arm as far as, like, some fresh games. You know, like Mario and Zelda, of course, were great, and you'd have Metroid, Star Fox, but, you know, we were ready for a new franchise. Yeah. And I wouldn't say that Pikmin's quite taken off, the way that we had hoped, but I still think all three games are a lot of fun. This game specifically, because it took elements from the original Pikmin, so for those who have never played Pikmin, you play as this astronaut named uh, Captain Olimar, who crash lands on a planet which is essentially Earth in the far future after humanity is no longer on Earth. So like a lot of plants and animals have advanced to very different things but a lot of the environment does look familiar and you have 30 days to recover your um the parts to your ship otherwise your um you know air supply is going to run out because oxygen is actually poisonous to olimar so you only have a certain amount of time well after pikmin ends he goes back to his home planet of hoctate and the company he works for is in really bad financial situation. So he does his report of, you know, what happened on this planet he was on and turns out that there are a lot of objects that are worth a lot of money in, you know, in Hakate currency. So Olimar and his new co-pilot, Louis, are sent back to Earth to collect different items to get you know, there, I can't remember the company's name off the top of my head, but um, essentially to get them out of debt. So the gameplay is expanded upon because the, the time limit is no more. Like you can, you still have to do all of your exploring in the daytime because at night all the wildlife comes out and otherwise you would get eaten. So um, that aspect is the same, but it's nice to not have the time limit and also. You do. Um, you can do co-op, I believe, with both um, Olimar and Louis. So essentially what you can do is you can send off a party of Pikmin with Olimar to do an objective. Then you can switch over to Louis, take another group of Pikmin to do other things. So say like one group, you could go to like build bridges so you can 
go farther in the level. But if there's treasure on the other side, you can send a Pikmin group led by Louie. So it, it can be a little much when you first try it, but when you get used to it, like you can you can do a lot of stuff in a short amount of time. And like like I said, the gameplay of it is extremely addictive. Um there's also new areas that you can um you can explore, notably being like the cave system where you essentially go underground and there are like different levels of caves that you can go in, and that's also where you find uh, two new uh, species of Pikmin. One is purple, which if you look at the, the photos, you see that they're a bit bigger than the other Pikmin, and that's because they have super strength. Mm -hmm. So essentially, one purple Pikmin equals ten other sized Pikmin. So if you have a, a piece of treasure that you try and pick up, but you need a hundred Pikmin to do it, Rather than take, you know, a hundred normal sized Pikmin like, you know, like, you know, just reds, blues, and yellows, you can get just get ten purple ones to carry it. And so, then you can take, you know, you can still take out because you you have a limit of the amount of Pikmin that you can have out in the field, which is a hundred. But if you have ten purples, you have the strength of a hundred, yeah. and then you can have ninety others. So it's almost like you have a hundred and ninety <clears throat> out. See, I don't this is so out there. <laughs> I don't even like know what to ask about this game. It's like it's so I don't know what I listen to you talk about this one. I have listened to you talk about the first one. And it's still like I don't know. I can't picture it. I just need to play it because I, I it's so over my head. I I'd be curious to get your thoughts on the original Pikmin. Like I said, it has a very unique style of gameplay the, and I've never played I, I'm sure there probably are games similar but I've never played another game like Pikmin and the, the other um, the other new type you can find are white ones it's, it's like some some animal eats one of the, the white Pikmin it poisons them and it knocks out you know like a small portion of their health okay so so they add um, they add a very unique element to um to the game series and plus there are also areas so say less there might be some areas that are blocked off by um electricity mm. so you have to use the yellow pikmin cuz they're the only ones that are immune to destroy the you know the the obstacles so that you can keep going there might be things that are shooting out fire or uh, enemies that are shooting out fire and you attack those with red because they're the only ones that are immune you know blue ones are the only ones that can go underwater you'll also find areas that they're like i don't know what you'd call them but they're these almost like vents that are um producing poisonous gas and since the white pikmin are immune to poison you have to use them to destroy those gates in order for you to progress. So it's really like knowing what Pikmin can do what objective. And sometimes you'll you'll have to take out like 20 blues and go to an area that's strictly underwater. Yeah. Or you might have to go somewhere that has a lot of electricity and take just yellow. So it's it's a lot of exploring. Like when you go to a different map, the best thing to do is really to explore 
and see like what Pikmin you need for what areas, and then you go back to your ship and you get out the Pikmin that you need. Okay. And then from there, you just you know collect different treasures. And the cool thing is, is they're they're all objects that people would know. Like there's um, like you might find an orange, and the computer that's in your ship actually gives funny names to the um to the different objects so like the the orange might be called like citrus heaven or something like that like that that are like little clever plays on the different objects but you know to us it's clearly like oh that's an orange or hey that's a a whistle or that's you know a, a, a plush doll or something like that yeah so that that's that part of it is cool and there are also more um boss battles which is really cool. The final boss of the game is actually really challenging, but it's it's also really cool. You fight this giant spider that has four different machines attached to it. Hmm. Once, so the spider is surrounded by this machine, and each side, there's four different sides, have different abilities. One side uh, shoots out flames. The other, water then electricity, and then poisonous gas. So you have to be really clever with like how you attack it. Hmm. But th- this is a game that like I can spend hours playing this game. Part of it is just growing Pikmin because you want to you know, ha- obviously have as many as possible because some bosses you will, you will lose a lot. Like I can't remember the name of the, the boss you fight, but it's essentially like this giant slug. And its attack is you're in like this round, um, this round room, and it essentially just rolls back and forth. And if you're not careful, you can lose like your entire party of Pikmin because they'll all just get squashed. Yeah, it says here. So that, it's um, it, I don't think the uh, the boss has a name because it's just called uh, a giant elemental creature that can harness uh, between fire, water, poison, and electricity. Okay. Yeah, yes, yeah, the the dream den cuz that's yeah. the the huge cave. So when you've as a little plot twist, whenever you find enough uh whenever you raise enough money to cover the debt for the company, you go back to Hoctate. But Louis is left behind. So then the second part of the game is you return back to Earth to rescue Louis. Hmm. But the president of the company replaces Louie as your like player two mm-hmm. type of um, type of character. So there is like a part one and a part two and the, the dream den is essentially like a huge underground cave that, that you have to go through. And then at the bottom of it is Louie and the, the giant spider creature that, that you have to fight. It but says, after, I, I can't praise. Oh, go ahead. Uh, it says after defeating the, the creature Olimar and President retrieve Louie and the final treasures and depart the planet, leaving the Pikmin behind that helped them. That's mean. (laughs) (laughs) That happens in the, in the original game, whenever you leave, like all the Pikmin are left behind, but as a cool little epilogue, they see what's called a spotty bulb orb. It's like the most basic, you know, like character that you fight in the game and the Pikmin attack it on its own. Like it, they don't. It's showing that they don't need Olimar anymore. That they're strong enough to defend themselves. So, oh, okay. I I haven't 
I haven't completed Pikmin 2 in quite a while. So I don't know if that same thing still happens. But I yeah, I do remember like as soon as you rescue Louie, it's like, oh, yep, we're done. And and we're leaving. Says Which it, it, there's actually a funny epilogue because in the beginning of the game, uh Louie, who was doing a separate job that Olimar was when he crash landed on Earth, he lost a um entire shipment of what's called pick pick carrots which are essentially just carrots and he had said that a space rabbit had stolen them but it turns out that louis ate all of them <laughs> because louis like a a food addict yeah. there's a cool thing too in um there's like um a special feature in the game so like whenever you kill an enemy you can read like like little facts about it like you have like Olimar's journal on the spotty bulborb and Louis's journey or journal on the spotty bulborb. With Olimar, it's more like all science stuff, like the average height and weight is blah blah blah, and it's a nocturnal creature, so and so. And uh, Louis might be goes great with soy sauce. <laughs> so there's like a food side and a science side. It's like it, it's it's funny stuff, but man, I I can't. I can't praise the Pikmin franchise enough. And there are elements that I like about Pikmin 1 more than I do about Pikmin 2. Like, on one hand, I don't hate the time limit because it gives you that sense of urgency. Mm -hmm. But on the other hand, with Pikmin 2, you can just kind of do whatever you want. And I, I honestly think Pikmin 2 is probably a better game because there's more to do. You have the introduction of the new types of pikmin and it just has it has more replay value because it's like once you or even once you get um louis back you can still go back and play it and go back and get some of the treasures that you might have missed whereas with you know pikmin one when you complete your objective you're done yeah i'm not a fan and the game of, is over of games that have a time limit like the, a time limit mechanic in it. Like, I, I don't know. That just makes me too, like, that drives my anxiety crazy. Like, I, yeah. I play games I mean, that's, to, to want to relax. I don't want to feel, like, anxiety when I play games, you know? Yeah, then Pikmin 2 would probably be the game for you. Yeah. It says here, um, what is a, a Nintendo e-reader card? It says Nintendo e-reader cards... Compatible with Pikmin 2 were released only in Japan, which contained additional mini-games. Let me click on this. Uh, let's if see. I remember right, the e-reader... I think uh, that was also a Game Boy feature, too. Because yeah. I remember the Mario games had e-reader cards where you could get like specific power-ups. Yeah, it was for the Game Boy Advance. Um, yeah. Let's see, it has an LED scanner that reads e-reader cards, paper cards with specially encoded data printed on them. I don't think this ever came to America. Oh, uh, North American release in September 2002. Yeah. Yeah, I never used the um I never used the e-reader cards for for Pikmin. I did for some of the Game Boy games. But um I didn't even know that there were e-reader cards for Pikmin. Yeah, I'd love to actually have some of these e-reader cards. Like you see the ones for Excite Bike. And mm -hmm. uh 
Super Mario Advance 4 Animal Crossing. Like, these would be cool to have, just to have the card. They look cool. I bet that's yeah. a nice little collector's item to have. No, absolutely. Which, um, you know, Pikmin 2 was was highly regarded, you know, as was the original. It says here, many critics consider the title to be superior to its predecessor, Pikmin, expressing that Pikmin 2 addressed many <clears throat> problems or issues seen in the original game. The removal of the 30-day time limit originally used was applauded for increasing the game's longevity. Though Nintendo World Report had mixed options, feeling the lack of urgency might encourage players to be lazy. I look <laughs> at it as you just have more time to explore. Yeah. Because there's still, like, there's quite a bit of treasure that you can collect in the game. And like I said, when, you know, you you rescue Louie, you, you can still go back and get the, um, you know, what you missed. But some of these scores, 1up.com gave it an A, CVG, 9 out of 10, Eurogamer, 9 out of 10, uh, Famitsu, 36 out of 40, GamePro gave it 5 stars. GamePro uh, 9.2, IGN 9.3. I mean, I can't really disagree with any of those. Sounds you know, good. it's it's got great replay value. It's fun. It's a game that will suck me in for hours. It has extensive gameplay improved upon in the sequel. It's it's a lot of fun. Yeah. And the cool thing is so this and the original Pikmin were actually remade for the um, the Wii, and it's with the like the Wii controls. So like when you're throwing Pikmin, you can actually like move the remote in a throwing motion, like you're actually throwing the Pikmin. So that adds a cool little dynamic to it. That's cool. Yeah, I was uh, but, capturing the music a little while ago, and my girlfriend looked at the at the Pikmin on the screen. She's like, "What are those?" I was like, "Pikmin." She's like, "What game is that?" Is a Pikmin. She was like, "Can we play that?" I was like, "Okay, I guess I'll have to go get a copy of it now." <laughs> so I, guess I will I'll say, be... Pikmin Two is is not cheap. How much was it? Because I bought it. Where did I buy Pikmin 2? I can't remember if I bought it at Pensacon or if I bought it... I might have bought it at the Trading Post. But it was... I want to say it was like 40 bucks. Ooh. But, it, but to me, it was worth it because it's that good of a game. You can yeah. get the original Pikmin for, for relatively cheaper. But I think Pikmin 2 is just a harder game to find. Yeah. But... I I love this game, I I and I think also for a GameCube game the graphics are are pretty dang good. Like to me, I love the environments of it. I love the the music. The music to me fits extremely well with everything that's going on. You know, with the the kind of tranquil environments and everything like that. So, yeah. I'm I'm gonna give this game a solid nine. Nice. <laughs> it's a fun game. I. I recommend anybody who has not played Pikmin definitely give it a shot because it it's a it's a fun franchise. And there was a third game that was released for the Wii U, and I want to say it might have been Axblade 07 who posted this a while back, but Pikmin 3, I think, is getting re-released for the Switch. And I remember not having as fond of thoughts about Pikmin 3 because I want to say they bumped up the gameplay where you could play as three characters at one time 
which to me was a little much. Hmm. But um, I, I'll I'll still check it out because it's a Pikmin game. I mean, if there were a if there was a Pikmin four released, I would get it in a heartbeat. Yeah, I was wondering because I, I think this franchise is a lot of fun. If it came out for the Wii U, why not re-release it for the Switch? Because the Wii U was such a I don't want to say failure, but let's call it what it was. It was a failure. Yeah. Yeah, to me, almost every game that was made for the Wii U should be released for the Switch just because like, no one really owned a Wii U. Yeah. <laughs> so. I, ha- I actually almost bought one a few weeks ago. I saw one for sale at an antique shop. Um, they had, it was complete. Hmm. But it was, I think they wanted like 90 bucks for it or something like that. And I was really thinking hard about buying it. But I think they said something, it had something wrong with it. And I would have to take it somewhere to get it fixed. So it would probably be just as expensive to fix it, like whatever was wrong with it, uh, than to just like go find one, like, I don't know, on eBay or something. So I just kind of let it be. Yeah. Uh, Rampage says that this sounds like that Will Smith movie After Earth, the video yeah. game. <laughs> Dude, and let me tell you, trying to find Nintendo games these days is hard, man. Like, I went to that, uh, it was that same antique shop, and they had a really good section for video game stuff. Like, they had a bunch of old, like, Intellivision stuff, like a bunch of uh, Atari 2600 uh, 5,200 games and television games, like all in the box, all that kind of stuff. Really nice stuff. And I asked the lady, I was like, do you have any Nintendo stuff? And she was like, as soon as it comes in, it's out. Like, it does not stay in the case. So it, it's going to be, uh, I don't know what's, I You're guess. You're going to have to get lucky, it sounds like. Yeah, I guess so, because I've struck out, you know, the past six, seven, eight months going to flea markets and stuff. So I don't, I don't know, man. <laughs> your luck will turn around i hope I'm so. sure but uh for next week um if you guys want to f- watch me finish up act razor on sunday i only have one more section to go through so i'll be streaming at a, probably four or five o'clock on sunday probably four and uh, i'm gonna finish up act razor and i'm gonna review it next week so it's been fun nice. But I got I got some bones to pick with it, but it's also you know got some nice things to say about it too. So it's one of those games that's like, eh, you know, it's like some things it's great at, some things it's not. But you know, we'll talk about it next week. Yeah, and I think for my next review, I'm going to let the patrons decide again. Yeah. So I'll be um, I'll post a poll um, sometime within. I'll probably post it this weekend. And then run it through um, next Wednesday, whenever we do the show. So that way I'll have the following weekend to play whatever it is you yeah. guys vote on. I, I love when when the the patrons vote. Yeah. One, it makes it easier. And two, yeah. it's, you know. Well, that's what I did. I put up on there what they wanted me to stream and uh, ActRaiser won. So I figured since I, I, you know, I'm playing it now for really the first time, really. Uh, I'd go ahead and do mm-hmm. a review for it too. So thank you guys for for voting. All you guys voted. That was awesome. But I think that's going to bring us to the end of the show. Derek, is there anything else you wanted to throw out there before we go? Yeah, just uh, be sure to check out my podcast, The Derek Diamond Experience. New episodes drop every Thursday on YouTube and all podcasting platforms. 
this past Sunday, I did uh, a really fun live show talking about top 10 villains in film and TV. So I'll be releasing the audio version of that. Um, I, I've explained it the last couple of episodes I've done, but I'm probably going to um, start going a little more interview heavy. Or at least if I do like a review or a top 10 list, that will be the only thing that's featured on the episode. So there won't be any more like reviews than going into interviews, like hybrid shows, yeah. unless it like makes sense to put the two together. So some some minor changes going on, but I, I think for the better. So um, what about the um, the uh, the discord, the Nerd Cave Retro Discord? Tell them about that. Yes, yeah, so um, we do have an awesome Discord that has constant interaction that I'm loving to see um, all the time. So what I'll do, and I've made a note uh, to myself so I won't forget, but um, every Thursday I will be posting a link on Facebook and Twitter for you to join our Discord feed. There's a lot of fun chats that yeah. anywhere from just general life discussion to video games to food photos, which I always love to see. So <laughs> it's lively in there, man. Like, it is like, I I'm, I, in, I'm, I'm like... getting, I'm getting <laughs> notifications all the time. It's great. <laughs> um, as far as me, uh, you know, I've got the new podcast, the open micers podcast with me and comedian Jacob Craig tomorrow night. We have an extra special super guest coming on. We have to do it a little bit early. We have to do it at 5 PM central, uh, 6 PM Eastern. Mr. Brian O'Halloran, Dante himself is going to be on the show tomorrow. So join us right here on at twitch.tv slash jfunktastic 5 p.m. Central to listen to us talk to Mr. Brian O'Halloran. I can't wait to hear it. Unfortunately, I can't make the live portion, but I, I will definitely download the episode once you post it, and I'll check oh, yeah. it out for sure. Because I, I, you know how much I love Clerks. <laughs> Yeah, I'm going to post it. So as, I'm, as I'm excited as, to hear it. As soon as we're done with it, I'm going to post it. So, and uh, not only that, but like I said, I'll be uh, streaming this this Sunday, uh, finishing up ActRaiser. So if you want to watch me do that, please come over and, and uh, hang out with everybody. I've gotten a good good chat room the last few weeks doing that. So you come hang out with me and play some games. So I think that's it. Fantastic. But uh, I'm going to go ahead and play our music here. If you would like to email us, you can email us at nerdcaveretro at gmail.com. If you got some news stories or anything you want to, to throw our way, that's the, the best way to do it. Um, we are at nerdcaveretro.com. We're on Instagram and Twitter at nerdcaveretro and individually at jfunktastic and at Derek underscore diamond. We're on Facebook, facebook.com slash nerdcaveretro. We're also on Patreon at patreon.com slash nerdcaveretro, where if you get us back up to that $50 level, we will do the extra episodes every month, and the first one we will do will be a commentary track for Double Dragon, the 90s movie that's kind of going to be bad. <laughs> and, uh, if you can't do that, can't throw us a buck a month, leave us a review wherever fine podcasts are given away for free. So Derek, please tell them what it's all about. It's the wonder of nature, baby. <laughs> Monkey! Master Blaster runs by the town. <laughs>